Today's guest is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, and brand builder who believes that work-life harmony is the key to evaluating or elevating your life. She's also the founder of Elevation Tribe, a platform that helps women launch, grow, and lead companies. Welcome to the show, Tina. How are you doing? Hi, Toby. Thank you for having Hi. me. <laughs> I'm so excited to be speaking with you. It has been months leading up to this moment. <laughs> I'm thrilled too. I'm absolutely thrilled to be chatting with you and talking about what I love. So this is great. Yes. Yes, it's so awesome. I'm so happy about this. I would just love you to, you know, to share your story. Like um, I was reading through your website and I found out that you you accidentally became an entrepreneur at the age of 16 and that became you know, it was the beginning of your story, basically. So would you like to share this story with, with, with us? Sure. So, uh, you know, when I was 15 years old, I thought my my dream in life was to be a fashion editor. And I um, read an ad in the back of Seventeen magazine. There was a newspaper that was looking for writers, a newspaper for girls. I applied and got hired as a product review editor. And I... Um, didn't really know what that meant. Then I realized, oh, I get to try products and tell people what I think. I would send those reviews back to companies I'd written about. And inevitably, they'd ask me the same question every time. They send you more stuff. Will you tell me what you think? And, you know, as a suburban teenager in mid-1990s with five younger siblings at home, I, it was probably the best thing that ever could happen that <laughs> someone wanted to give me free product. Uh, a couple of years later, I realized that people were willing to pay me for my insights. And that started me down a path of market research. And and the rest is really history. I spent 20, almost 25 years running Buzz Marketing Group, my first company that was focused on market research, understanding millennials and emerging generations. And then I pivoted into content creation full time. Uh, And so now I run a company called Relevant Media. And we have a focus on inclusivity and creating content and what I like to call contextual commerce, which is really um, focused on storytelling through product and how I bring all the things I love from marketing into actually developing and co-creating product with and for retailers. And it's just been an exciting three years. And I I love what I get to do. I, I currently have several book lines, middle grade fiction books sold in partnership at Target, and now expanding to other retailers and, and working on some other really awesome product right now. But as you said in the introduction, um, during my career, I realized that I was going through seasons of burnout quite frequently. And I was good at coming up with ideas and vetting them, but not so great at taking care of myself. And so, you know, I'm really also focused on the elevation approach, which is, you know, work-life harmony and helping other people create that. And so, um, I'm glad we're going to get to talk about that today. Yes, yes. I would love us to even jump right into it because I was reading through your story and I found out that you know, at a point in your life, like you said already, you, you are living the dream, you are growing a <laughs> seven-figure business, but you were on a train or you, and you are on a train, an express train to burn <laughs> out, like I read on your website. And I was like, wow, how can you, you know, be living your dream, you know, having that good life, earning that huge amount of money, having a successful business, and you're on the express train that's leading directly into burnout. So can, can you share this experience with, with people out there, with myself also? And can you explain this, you know, elevation approach and the working system that you are able to create in order to prevent burnout? Yeah, I. so I was, remember, starting at 16, by the time I was 27 years old, that was 11 years in business, you know, so yeah. 11 and the majority of that time spent in school. You know, I was valedictorian in high school, graduated college with honors, played varsity field hockey in college. So it was not that I was just in college focusing on business. I was doing a lot of other things. And, 
so it just kind of been ingrained in me that I had to do it all. And I remember when my friends were like, we're going to go on vacation and your laptop's not invited. I was like, what? <laughs> I remember the first, at first, the first time I said, I'm not, I'm not, not going to bring my laptop. And then it died. Like I was actually not on my laptop for so many days that it just died. Like the battery was dead because I hadn't even tried to charge it. And it felt so liberating. And I remember it sounds so, it's so embarrassing to say, like, I remember the first time I laid by the pool and again, like, yes, did I do these things as kids? Like kids are in the water, you're doing that. Yeah. But I mean, in my adult life, the first time I actually was like laying by the pool, I was like, so what do we do? Do we just like lay here? And my friends are like, <laughs> listen to music and read magazines and do all. I was like, oh, okay. And then I came back and I was so rejuvenated. And, I'm, and I said, I need to take a vacation every year, right? It still hadn't clicked that like the way I was working, vacationing once a year or taking time once a year wasn't going to be enough. And then 28 was, I started working out more frequently. Like it was like, I couldn't skate by anymore. And, and that felt really good for me physically. I'm like, oh, it wasn't the workout. I didn't even care about the results of the workout. I cared about how emotionally it was making me feel. Like I left a workout and I was like, I just feel less stressed, right? So I wasn't even starting to make the connections that I put together in my late thirties. Um, when I was in like full on, I need to change my life mode. Um, but there are pieces of the story along the way. So I would, I would pick up tools. And I remember once I was like in Utah having body work done and this really amazing, he was like beyond a massage therapist. He says to me, Tina, working out, like you need to find, your body is so used to the working out now. You need to find another way to de-stress. So that he saw that that was my go-to for de-stressing. It wasn't even working. And now you know, living the elevation approach, which you asked, what is it? There are four phases, um, preparation, inspiration, recreation, and transformation. So in, in preparation, we know, we all know that phase, right? We have a big idea. We're, we're vetting it. That's the vetting process. Inspiration is when you go out and you start to ask other people, I have this idea and I think it's going to work. What do you think about it? Right? So you're being more visible. The step that was always missing in my life was recreation taking a step back. And that is by far the most important step I take in every creative thing I do these days, right? So whether it's creating yes. product, that moment where I am not engaged in the act of creating the product, the moment where I'm looking at, did I actually hire the right people to execute? Do I actually, am I looking at this the right way? Am I just giving myself a moment to get inspired for a new middle grade fiction character? That had been missing in my life for so long. And then transformation where you put it all together, it allowed me to go back to the things I was creating and make them even better because I'd taken a moment, just, just a moment, you know, and sometimes we only get a moment. I'm not suggesting to your audience that you just go take three months off and see what happens. Sometimes we get 15 minutes. You know, I practice every day, 10 minute visual visualization every single morning, 10 to 15 minutes of what do I want my day to look like, feel like, be like, what is a vision of what I want to bring into reality? Maybe that's all I get. You know, I've had a crazy month, right? And I have a crazy month ahead where I am traveling, I'm doing other things, but I know come April, which is my birthday month, my month with my family, like my whole family is taking a very big trip. I'm really building up to, I'm going to work so hard the next four weeks and then I'm going to have a reprieve, right? And so this approach just became how I live life and it's it's second nature now, but- I don't want the audience to think like, 
oh, it just took me no time to get there. It took many, many years of, you know, hair falling out, like all kinds of things happening that were just a bad response to stress that I was feeling. So it's very important for us to take that time to rest, to recalibrate, to rejuvenate, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And to know what those things are for you. What, what excites you? What lights you up? What makes you feel like you're doing something different? And, and, and an experience that gives you rest, creates joy, and gets you back to the place of being productive to bring it all. Because that's what happens is we, we get excited. We think we're going to launch something. And then what's next? Burnout. Oh, that idea didn't work. It's not that the idea didn't work. It's that you didn't have a process to work the idea, yeah. you know? Yes, that's very true. Yes. And that's why I'm, I'm so happy and so grateful that I'm speaking with you today because, you know, you have a very vast, um, you know, experience basically of building business or building brands. Mm-hmm. And there are people out there, there are listeners out there who are you know, looking forward to starting something like this also, like building their own brand and starting their own business. So for people out there who would love to do something like this, what's the best way to successfully build a business or build a brand from from scratch? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is you have to have a point of view, right? And know that you are living a unique experience. Your story, your authentic story belongs to you only, right? Other people might understand what I'm saying through the elevation approach. Um, Many, many people might understand that, but what happened to me was my unique story and my unique yes. perspective. And, and I think we're all so lucky to have that, right? I often say people make really dynamic individuals and bad copies, right? So we all need to lean into our authentic story. So I know most people might say, oh, what hasn't been done in beauty? If you think about the beauty brands we all buy from these days, it's a personal story that we're all connected to, you know? And like, we're all deeply connected um, and, and it's that person's journey or their story that makes us buy their lipstick or their cream or something over someone else's, right? So I would yes. say to your listeners, you all have a unique perspective. What are you curious about? What is a problem that keeps you up at night? I will tell you the problem that was starting to keep me up at night was hearing friends say, oh, how do you get to do all those things? How do you get, wow, I wish I could have an idea and bring it to fruition. And they just weren't able to do that, you know? And so I created this for them to say, I'm no different than you. I believe we all have within us the power to be creative. We have to have a process and we have to unlock it, right? The people who do the best at, you know, you look at someone like Miss Winfrey and look at what Oprah's done. She has harnessed her intention to create so much good in the world, but she is so incredibly intentional about where that energy flows, right? So that is like that process of who gets her time, attention, energy, she has nailed that, right? So she knows if I want to bring a Broadway show, whatever it is she wants to bring to fruition, it's going to happen, but it's through a process that that keeps other stuff out that's going to waste her time, right? We all need to do that in our families. However, like, What's worth our time? What's a waste of our time? Hi, friend. Are you enjoying this episode? We would love to hear from you. Kindly send us a feedback. Are you following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, maybe on YouTube and other podcast platforms? Are you following us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, we would love to connect with you on all platforms. Links and further details are available in the show notes of this episode. Thank you. Hi, 
Ah, that's very true. Yes. And I, I love what you said earlier. You said everyone has that power, that's, you know, that um, ability to create. Yeah. And that's one thing that's, that's very great because I know some people tell me, oh, um, yeah, there are a lot of people that are talented. Maybe I am not, you know, as talented or I'm not as gifted or creative. There are people that, you know, that are meant to be creative and they are doing their thing, basically. So is there like an advice you give to, to people like that who are like caged into this mindset of like, ah, I don't think I'm creative. I don't think I can do anything or start a business. Uh, I would say every single one of us has a different set of skills, right? And we, And the first thing you need to know it's really important that you understand um, where your gifts are and what you don't do. And I think there's sometimes shame attached to not being able to do something. I wear proudly what I have no capacity to do because that means I can hire someone 10 times smarter than me and they're going to rock it and they're going to do what needs to happen in that area. Um, I don't know where we as a society started to assign shame to not having a certain skill, you know, like I have my youngest brother is a composer and, you know, his, his gift with music and what he's able to do. I can never do that. And I'm so happy to know him and to know when I need to bring something like that to fruition, that he's there, you know, and that he's going to do it. Um, and, and so I would say lean into your special gift. Everyone has one. It's not the same. And we, you know, I would also say sometimes if you walk into a room and you see a problem, you know, it, it's important to know not everybody sees the problem you see. When I walk in, like if I'm in a retail store and I see like the way traffic is flowing in the store or the way things are stocked, like I'm getting so annoyed. I realize the average person doesn't even see the friction that I'm like, this would be such a better shopping experience if this were over here. The average person doesn't even see what I see, you know? And so sometimes we're comparing ourselves to other people and it's like, we're not even all seeing and and having the same experience at the same time. When I ever watch uh, something musical with a person who is musical and they tell you, oh my gosh, that person didn't hit that note. I'm just quietly entertained and they're like, oh, this is wrong or, you know, because we all have different skills. And so I, I think the comparison has to go out, um, you know, has to go out of the the window, you know? Yes, yes, that's very true. Oh, that's very, very true. So we all have, you know, areas that we are, you know, good at, areas that we, you know, notice easily than other people. Yes, that's true. Exactly. Yeah. You know, earlier you were talking about, you know, selling products, based on our, you know, personal idea, personal stories, sorry, like, you know, the lipstick or the makeup, you know, it always has a story at the, at the back of it or behind it, basically. So is this the way we could sell our big ideas to the market or are there other ways we could sell big ideas to companies, to organizations, or basically to the markets, to the society? I, yeah, so I, what I would, would say is you don't want to fail in a big way, right? You, you don't want to go so big and you fail. You want to, you want to get better and better and better. And I've had friends who have explained this to me as their companies have grown, like great to fail when you have five clients, don't fail when you have 500. Right. And so, um, I think it's all about reiterating and getting better with a process and, and really, um, owning that process and getting to know your ideal customer avatars. You've probably heard this saying ICA even better. And so I would say, um, how well do you know who that end user is? Well, it takes time to get to know what they want. That's why when people say I have five different customer targets, that means you have five different budgets for social media, right? You have five different messaging strategies. Why not get so great at one 
that it, that is like clockwork for you. And then you can explore a second. So I think sometimes we're so ambitious, you know, just like I write for middle grade readers. I, and I, write adult books in areas where I have an experience. Like I wrote a marketing handbook. I'm working on a book on the elevation approach, but I don't write YA because young adult fiction is not my skill set. I really honed a skill set to write for seven to 12 year olds. And so I think my feedback to your audience is be really, really focused, right? Sometimes we don't focus for lack of thinking we won't be successful, but success is in being focused. Yeah. Oh, that's true. So find your 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 niche and just focus on that niche. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Wow, thank you so much. Yes. And you know, this leads me to my next question. You know, you were talking about, you know, being realistic with your, you know, your goals basically and your budget. You talked about budget. So can you teach us how we could set realistic budgets, realistic mm-hmm. goals, realistic roadmaps basically for our business? Yes. So that all goes. So I think everything starts with, there, there are different st- steps. And on my website, I have like lots of free web uh, worksheets that could help the audience with this. Um, so the first is like a feasibility worksheet, right? How feasible is the business when you understand everything it's going to take to create that business. Then we move into who is the ideal customer avatar? What does that person look like? And thinking about where he or she or they might be. And then from there, what does it take to reach them, right? If you are targeting retired people in their in their 60s who prefer to do many things in person, your marketing budget may look very different than if you're targeting teenagers who mostly live and exist online. Maybe you need a really good budget for TikTok, right? So the, yeah. the more you understand who your, who your end user is, the more you understand what marketing you need to do to reach them because you've done such a deep dive into where they are and what they're looking for. That's true. I, I'm so happy that you work a lot with, with women because I also believe in you know, women empowerment, especially in the workplace and also for business. Uh, but there are a lot of women out there who are, you know, very scared. They have this fear of failing and the fear of, you know, being disappointed or the fear of just, you know, yeah, going insane basically for starting a business in a men saturated world or, you know, yeah, the crazy world out there of business. So how would you advise people to let go of this fear of failing or the fear of disappointment or just being let down basically? So first of all, you will fail. You, I, I mean, I, look at, <laughs> I it's just, you got to accept that and move on mm-hmm. um, and not let it define you. And a lot of times failure is just a shift in direction. Um, and sometimes I find for me as a founder, I have such a strong sense of direction if you told me not to do something, I probably might just do it anyway. And so I almost sometimes need to fail into the right end result yes. because I might not have have stopped what I was doing. But for me running, a, you know, I ran a business for a really long time that when I actually looked at the margins and how that business was being done and what I really wanted to do, I realized this isn't the best business. And I was able to pivot into something that is amazing business. And so I would say, don't be stuck on this idea of failure get really comfortable with the idea of a pivot and get really comfortable with, with pivoting. You know, I, I am in a season right now where I had to make a pivot that could be really uncomfortable in a piece of business, but I knew it was the right thing for the end customer. And instead of saying, Oh my God, this could fail. I don't, I'm like pivoting before failure happens. Right. And that's That's what we have to do is like, sometimes we don't like, I think sometimes, especially America, we have this like American optimism of like, it's okay, I'm going to thrive. And it's like, sometimes it's just not good business. And we need to accept that and move on to what is good business and do good business and make sure, you know, 
that there's margin, that there's economics, that things make sense. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And I think this also links to what you said earlier about, you know, identifying your right customer, knowing, you know, where your your niche, for example. And, you know, once you've put all of, all of that in place and you still fail, that means maybe you have to re- um, sit down, look at everything again and maybe iterate or make some corrections, make some changes or change directions, basically, like you said, like failure sometimes leads us in a different direction of success. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, um, the, we have the Gen Z um, right now and, <laughs> and we have to market successfully to them. So can you like share some tips on how to market to the Gen Z? Oh, gosh, I love Gen Z so much. I remember the first time I was starting to deep dive into who Gen Z is and I realized pretty quickly, oh, Gen Z reminds me of teenagers from the 90s. And I'm, I grew up in the 90s, so I feel an affinity <laughs> for and to them. And Um, What I love about them, so we're talking about the most educated generation in history. Uh, We're talking about the most financially savvy generation in history, right? So they were younger than millennials, not as impacted by, you know, last financial crash in 2008, but watched and decided to be savvy with their money. Um, I would also say that they're an incredibly creative generation, but where they differ from others is they have figured out how to make money off of their creativity and really good money, right? So they're not just making TikToks. They're figuring out how to create businesses out of TikTok, right? They figured out, you look at the younger Kardashians and how quick they were uh, to build wealth. You know, you look at some of the members of this generation and it's like, wow, they were able to harness the creative power of of the internet, not just as a tool for entertainment, right? There are many people who are entertained by technology. This is a generation that's figured out how to leverage technology for business. And and, and so uh, I'm really, I, and the other thing I would say that's different about this generation is there, when I look at millennials, millennials were very much anti-establishment, didn't trust the government, didn't trust these, these long existing systems and knew that they had to build around them, right? So millennial driven companies like, Airbnb, Uber, right? We we want to rip like completely change taxis, you know, yes. for better or worse. So we work. We want to change how people work together. Um, you look at Gen Z, and they're saying, no, the government has a responsibility to the people, and we're going to go into these roles and we're going to change it and make these systems better. And so I think that's a real difference between millennials and Gen Z. Millennials are like we were left with no jobs, right? We come out of college. The life we're supposed to have isn't there. We rebuilt everything from scratch. I think millennials get also get a really bad rap, but I think what they had to do in that time and how they had to completely change systems to create jobs for themselves was incredible. But I think we're looking with Gen Z at a at a demographic and a generation that's that has had more stability. And based on that stability, they've created just incredible opportunity. And and I, I really like. I can't wait till they're running this country, running the world. Like, I think these are smart, (laughs) passionate, understanding people who understand money. They understand all kinds of concepts that seem to be like weighing down others, you know, understand gender fluidity, all of these things that are just like, it's just how it is. Right. And they can navigate all of that. And, you know, I'm I'm just excited to see how they lead and, and who they become. Yes. Would you, you think um, other people could compete with Gen Z? Like, you know, it's like they've saturated the market already with content creation. Mm-hmm. And maybe the baby, bo- the baby boomers wants to do something or the millions wants to do something also in this 
space? Is it possible to, you know, work along with them, compete with them in this market space? Or is there even an opportunity for other age group or age brackets? I think there's always opportunity for collaboration. I think, you know, what is unique right now, especially in America, is we have, um, for the first time in history, five generations working together. Uh, so everything from, you know, everyone from silent generation to boomers to Gen X, millennials, Gen Z, like you've got everybody, you know, working together. And so it's complicated, right? There, there are different ways of dealing with each other and talking. And here we we have them all together. Um, can anyone outmaneuver Gen Z? I think a younger generation is always going to be more adept at certain tools. You know, I think look at the generation when TV came of age and then look at the generation who had known TV their whole life and look at the difference in, in the content they're creating. I think, you know, for me, I'm 41, almost 42. I'm a zennial, so I'm on the cusp of being a uh, Gen X and millennial. That's when technology, you know, I got my first phone at, cell phone at 21, my youngest brother at 13, right? So you see the difference of like where things fit. And I, and what's actually interesting is people my age were the ones in yoga class on their Blackberries, right? This was new. My brother yeah. like, they know how to put their phones aside, go have a dinner and do what they need to do. Cause it wasn't, this became like, oh my gosh, I have this device with me at all times. All those things happened in my lifetime, you know? Um, That's not the case for younger people. They're like, we've had social forever, (laughs) IG, whatever, you know? And so um, I think it's important to know with, with these different tools, you know, where do consumer groups fall and how long have they had these tools? Yes, you know, but especially in in business, also, you know, when we are working with these different age groups, um, you know, do we have different mindsets? Like you said, also like different background, different things that they were exposed to, and you know, it's, it could be challenging sometimes, you know, working together. So, is is there a way we could you know find a common ground? In, absolutely, you know, we think, yeah. I absolutely, I think so, but I think that has to start with respect, right? And I think we have to respect. Um, a lot of times what I find, and I saw, we saw this a lot with millennials. I think there was such a, such a massive generation that was creating such a huge shift, uh, at least in America, really around the world though, was a resistance to them. And, and then it was like a bad branding, like millennials are entitled. I never know where that came from. And, and I, I said to someone once, and, and it was, you know, a person of age who could be the mother of a millennial. I said, Well, if millennials are entitled, I said, do you have children? They said, yes. I said, so your entitled millennial is someone else's problem then, right? And then you saw her face change. I said, so you can't brand brand a generation of people entitled when you've created. So that means you've created their entitlement, right? So your child's just not working at your company. They're working at someone else's company being entitled. Makes you think again about that, right? Where in reality, what was happening is the world was changing, and what for the first time, younger people were coming in more educated at the changes that were happening than older people within corporations. And I think that millennials just got caught in this bet. And so then when you say, well, everybody wants a trophy, everybody wants a promotion, let's look at it as if you're a millennial. You know how to fix a problem a centuries-old company has. Shouldn't you be compensated for that? Right. So everybody's right. You've got to listen to what everybody's saying. You know, you don't know how to use Twitter. Your company needs Twitter. I know how. Why should I make a starting kid salary just because I'm younger? Right. I actually have the knowledge and expertise that's going to move the business forward. Why shouldn't I be paid for that? And I think that's a realistic request. You know, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, that's very right. Yeah. So I'd love to make a a very um, 
I'd switch to um, Elevation Tribe because I would love also really talk about that before we end this conversation. Yeah. I'd love you to, <laughs> I'd love to share a little bit more about this platform. I know it's for empowering women, it's for coaching women in business field, but can you share a little bit more about this and the services that you offer to women out there? So a few years ago, I, so I'm a Henry Crump fellow at the Aspen Institute and I was working on my venture project and I decided that I really wanted to focus on a platform to help women of color launch, grow, and lead companies. And this was the time where platforms like Create and Cultivate and Girl Boss were becoming really popular. And I felt and still feel that women of color have um, really unique nuances when it comes to launching, growing, and leading companies. And I wanted a place that talked about that and and really helped with that. And so we were able to launch two very successful work journals, uh, which included interviews with other women of color who had kind of done the thing many members of the tribe were trying to do as a way to really kind of give that advice and, and help move forward. And so um, it, I just, I love the elevation uh, approach. I love the evolution of this brand and where it's going. There's so much more to come with Elevation as a brand and I'm super excited to share more. Um, lots in the works there. And I, you know, early on in our conversation, I talked about working in a space that's all about contextual commerce and all about storytelling through product. And that is definitely coming to life with Elevation. And so um, it's just an exciting place and space to be in. And I learned a lot about women of color in the business world through creating that platform, how many businesses and companies we are starting. I think you hear uh, so often the statistic that, you know, less than 2% of venture funding is going to women, even smaller percentage, much smaller to women of color. But if you also think about on the small business side, you know, women of color own and operate almost one in two small businesses owned by women. So there we make up almost 50% of, you know, women in business. And so it's an exciting place to be. Small businesses are growing, they're emerging. It's good business. And so, you know, I'm just really happy to be speaking to that audience and speaking to those women. Yes, that's so beautiful. And again, and apart from, you know, you have in this um Elevation Tribe. Um, I will place the information in the show notes of this episode. You could read more about it on tinawells.com where you have um, blogs yeah. there. You have, um, you know, a lot of um, articles also written there and everything about the um, Elevation Tribe is also in this, on this website. So I'll place the link there and encourage everyone to visit this website for further information and get across to, to Tina also. Awesome. But I'll love, love to talk about your books also, which are also available on your website. Yeah. Um, you have a total of 18 books, 18 books that, <laughs> <laughs> that you're author of, best-selling author also. And um, I would just love to know why you, you know, directed your attention to middle grade fiction. What inspired you to go into this, you know, this um, niche? Yeah, so I feel like my view of the world and what was possible really came from um, reading books when I was younger. And I really just loved exciting adventures and, you know, Babysitter's Club, Goosebumps, Fear Street. Uh, and a lot of times in those books, I didn't see people who looked like me. And so when I was given the opportunity to get into middle grade fiction, um, I realized that I thought it was so important for young people to see themselves in the characters and to see what was possible for them. So it really started from a place of, hey, I'm as someone who started as a teenage entrepreneur I had to see that possibility somewhere and it came through culture and through media and I wanted to provide that to other people. And so uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's creative. I love doing creative things. Uh, it's an audience I absolutely love. And so I have four series now. My, my fourth series will debut this fall. So I, I have been, you know, 
Z Files and, and Mackenzie Blue, it's the same character who's just gotten older. So it's a spinoff. Yeah. But, you know, Honest June's totally different, but really getting to d- create like diverse characters and, and diverse groups uh, and speaking to that audience is just so much fun. And so I'm expanding and I'm definitely um, moving into content that speaks to women my age, my life set, and a bit older. But I will always love what I get to do in the middle grade world for sure. Yes, that they are so wonderful books. I would say, I, once once you visit tinawells.com, just go to my books section, then you see like you know all the books. You see, um, Honest June is there, the Z Files is there, and all that glitters. Book one, book two, just awesome, wonderful books with wonderful and colorful illustration for you know everyone to read. Basically, so I would encourage people to you know pick up the book, read it, and feel identified also in in this book too. Yes, awesome. so beautiful. <laughs> so um I, I would love to ask, like, how are you able to balance and harmonize everything that you do? Like, you know, you you are a founder of um relevant media, founder of Elevation Tribe, you mm-hmm. are an author, you have your business, everything that you do, and you also have your own personal life, basically. How do you balance yeah. it all? How do you harmonize it all? Yeah. You know, I think that's going back to where we started with the elevation approach, right? I feel like work life harmony is so important, and I want to make sure that. Uh, I I have that. It doesn't mean that, you know, the idea of balance doesn't exist. I don't think, I think we all know that, but I think harmony can exist where everything works together. And that's what's most important for me is just building a life where every piece of it feels like it works together. And so if I need to go visit my parents, go take care of my niece or my sister, do any of that, that that there's harmony and how that all works together and nothing feels like it's working against another part of my life. And that, that is what I think the elevation approach is all about. It's about creating work life harmony for you, you know, and just building the life that you want. Yes. Yes. As As a closing remark, I'd just love to know what is the greatest advice you have ever had so far? Oh gosh, I guess I would say at this stage in my life, um, it's my mom's advice who told me, my mom said that I can have every, anything I want in life, but she doesn't suggest I have everything at the same time. So I think that, that that's probably <laughs> been the best advice I've been given. Yeah, that's a wonderful and a great advice. Um, thank you so much, Tina. I appreciate everything that you were able to teach me. I'm going to place all of your information in the show notes of this episode. So anyone who's interested in connecting with you or trying to contact, contact you, could do that through your website, I believe. Yep, tinawells.com. Yes, yep. tinawells.com. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for everything you were able to teach me. Yeah. I really appreciate this. That's so awesome. Thank you so much. Wow, wow, you made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye. Bye.